Matthew uh, 13, um, 31 to 33. Jesus speaking. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet it, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the, bra- uh, the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. So like I said, we're going to be coming back to that. Um, I've, you know, Julie and I, as you know, we've been um, looking to go to, uh, move to Italy as, as missionaries, and so God's been teaching us a whole lot of stuff along the way, and and I'm just going to kind of continue in just talking about what we've been learning and uh, how we've been uh, growing through this experience. Um, and and God, God often teaches me experientially, and and six years ago He really blessed me in in that regards by giving me Mitchell, and. He's a great kid, he's smart, he's fun, um, he's charismatic, and he's this amazing living, breathing sermon illustration. And uh, I'm very grateful to have that uh, around. And he had his birthday about a month and a half ago, he, he just turned six, and, and for his birthday there's uh, one thing he wanted more than all, and that was a bike, a new bike. And uh, he had some, and he had run them into the ground pretty good. And uh, it was time for a new one, so we got him a bike, and it's this, I mean, it's this great bike. It's orange, like this nice hot orange with these black stripes on it, and uh, it's got, like, full suspension. Like, I don't know what a kid needs full suspension on a bike for, but it's got it. And, uh, and I mean, it just looks amazing. And we got this black helmet to go with it. It's very stylish. It's got, like, flames going down the side and, you know, elbow and knee pads, and so he can totally gear up. Um, with his bike, and so he's been begging to go out as often as we possibly can, as so we just take him around the block or to the park or wherever is is convenient for us, and and he rides and he has so much fun, but he's he's got this little problem in that he's also a very cautious kid, and so if there's a curb in his way, you know where. He, the sidewalk ends, time to go onto the street, and we're going to cross it. He has to get off his bike, no matter how low it is. Gets off his bike, walks it, gets back on, and rides until it's time to get back on the sidewalk where he gets off, goes on, starts riding. And, and even where along the sidewalk there's those places where the driveway, you know, it, it goes down for, uh, for people's driveways. Even there, he's, he's so afraid to fall, he's leaning over something like this where I actually have to walk beside him often to keep him from falling over in the opposite direction. And, he's just, and he just slows down to a crawl. and He's barely going. And, you know, I think that right now what he's learning, what he hasn't quite realized, is that there's a lot of fun to be had on a bike. And he's having a good time. But there is so much more fun that he could be having. Going over the curbs, trying to like jump the thing, going a little bit too fast. Oh, like, that's just that's the funnest part. But he he hasn't quite learned that yet. And I'm trying to teach him. I'm trying to help him. You know, Mitchell, you can do this. You can go over that small bump. You know, it's going to be okay. You can do this. And and he's just he's just a little unsure right now. And the other thing that he doesn't realize is that as long as I'm with him. 
that no matter what happens, it's really not going to turn out that bad. You know, he's probably going to fall at some point. You know, at some point he's going to try a jump that's a little bit too big for him. Maybe he's going to go a little bit too fast around a curve. And he's going to take a spill. But you know what? It's not going to be that bad. We've got band-aids. We've got ice. Give him a hug. He'll be okay. But he's just, you know, he's really wrestling with that. And I... I'm watching him, and I'm finding it very easy to put myself in his place. You know, where, where there's, there's more fun to be had, but, man, I'm just a little bit scared. <laughs> a little bit nervous about how things might turn out. What if, what if I fall? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm going a little bit too fast? It's really it's hard to trust God in, in life, to really watch out for us in these times. It's hard to really push the limits, to really take a step of faith, to really go where maybe we're losing a little bit of control. There's risk involved, but I think what Jesus would want to teach us is he wants to teach us the trust, to know that as long as he's with us, it really can't turn out that badly for us. Um, uh, a few Sundays just before I left, uh, I was talking uh, also just in what, what I've been learning. And, and just as I've been reflecting on our journey, um, just getting ready for Italy and um, just other parts of our life, I, I'm realizing more and more that God is concerned, not so much with the destination that we get to. He's concerned with who we become along the way, right? So God is willing to be patient and getting us to where maybe he's promised us, you know, like, I'm going to take you to this great place. I'm going to, you know, work something out with your family. I'm going to do all these different things. But there's often a journey to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while. It can take time. It unfolds slowly. And that's because God is working on our character along the way. It's not that the destination for the journey isn't important. It's that God needs to build in us a character that he can trust so that when we get there, that we're not going to mess it up. So that when we get there, we're going to be faithful with it. That he can trust us. And it's not a reluctance on God's part to give to us. It's him being a good father. It's him being responsible. It's about him knowing what is really good for us, what we really need. And and I, I can say just from my experiences that, that the less that we fight that, the more fun we have along the way. The less we fight the, the weight, the less we fight those lessons that God is teaching to us, the less we fight the, the character development, the more we can enjoy the journey. We just embrace it. We don't have to fight it. We don't have to try to take control from God about what, over what's happening. Try to, you know, take the steering wheel and, 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 you know, guide this, guide the car. We don't have to do that. We can let him take it. We can just enjoy the ride. But the, um, the problem is that control can come a lot more naturally to us than does trust. It's our natural inclination to be in control. We always want that. We, you know, we're driving on, on this road trip. It's hard for me to let Julia get behind the steering wheel, not because I don't trust her back there, but because I like to run the show. I just, I like to be in charge. I like to, you know, <laughs> I didn't tell her this, but 
you know, I like to decide what gas station we stop at. I like to stop, decide where we stop to eat. That, man, I, I enjoy that. You put me in the other seat and, you know, I'm thinking, man, we've got to be passing this guy right now, you know, or, you know, I don't know if this is the right speed. I, you know, these things just keep coming up and it's, oh, it's hard. Man, it's stressful. So we always want to be in control. We always want to run the show. We don't want anybody else to be in the driver's seat, even when that someone else is Jesus. And trust, I think, pushes us to the limit to what we think we can handle, you know? Because it's there where we're at our limits that we try to take it back, but... but when, when things seem to be going right, when things seem to be happening in the way we expect them to, it's easy to trust. There's no sacrifice in trust. Where trust actually counts is when it becomes difficult. When things aren't going the way we think they should, maybe the plans aren't quite working out at the pace that we think they should be. That's when trust matters. And that's when the desire for, for control really raises its head. And what may limit us the most when it comes to actually trusting Jesus, it can, it can be a bad experience, maybe something negative that's happened in our past. It can be maybe something that we've always been taught. And I was thinking about Thomas, you know, the guy we know is doubting Thomas. And after Jesus had died and rose again, and the disciples were telling him that Jesus had come back, he'd returned. And, and Thomas is saying, yeah, I've got to see this to believe it. Thomas was letting what he knew, the, the wisdom that he knew, that, you know, death is final, the dead don't rise. He was letting that dominate. And it seems like wisdom, right? It seems like wisdom, that death is final. And that's where Thomas was. He hadn't experienced, well, actually, he had experienced. He had experienced when Lazarus came back, um, from the dead. But he was still struggling to overcome what he had always been taught, what he had always known. And so he had limited what Jesus could do. He had limited the power of God based on what his wisdom, what his mind was telling him. But Jesus isn't limited by our experiences. He's not limited by the box that we put around him. He wasn't limited by Thomas's doubt. And Jesus breaks through those things and he shows us that there is a power and a goodness and a faithfulness in, in who he is, more than what we had uh, previously known, more than what we expected. And we know that's right. We know that there's more to Jesus than we've experienced so far. The challenge is to live up to that. It's easy to say, Jesus, I trust you. It's easy to sing songs about trust. It's easy to sing songs about the faithfulness of God. It is really difficult to let go of control and to put our lives into the hands of that one we're trusting. Julia read a, a part of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys, I've always loved these guys. They're just really great. And... Um, when they are threatened with the furnace, we see this unbelievable character come out. And, and they say, this is um, the last couple of verses that Julia read. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. 
He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now what they understood, what I think is, is really cool about these guys, is they understood that as long as God was with them, it could never go too wrong for them. It's like with Mitchell on the bike. You know, I said that as long as I'm with him, he may stumble, he may fall, but it could never go too wrong. And these guys knew that to the point of staking their lives on it. They said, you know, the God that we serve, the God that we believe in, he is able to take care of us here. But whether or not that actually happens, whether or not he actually saves us, we're still going to trust in him. Because there's this safety net around everything they did where even if they fell, even if they got thrown into the furnace, God was still going to catch them. And what impresses me is that they let their ideas of how things should work, they, they held those loosely. They said, okay, God can save us, and we think he's going to. But even if he chooses not to, we know he's still going to take care of us. Even if he chooses to let us die in there, we're still in his hands. And that is, I believe, amazingly profound. That's an amazing story of faith. That even death can't separate us from the faithfulness of God. And we're going to trust him not to the point of death, but actually a step past it. Their baseline was that God is powerful and that God is good. And he said, we think he's going to save us in this way. But we're going to trust him with anything. We're going to trust him with anything he chooses to do. And he, you know, we know the rest of the story. They're thrown into the furnace. They didn't burn up. They got brought out. They were restored to their positions and even higher. And, and, and they're really blessed through this. But even if that hadn't happened, even if they weren't saved, even if they were burned up in the furnace, they knew that God was still going to look out for them. And if you reflect on um, where we've been at as a church, the journey we've been on, God has been pushing us into new things. And he's been challenging us to step beyond what we've known to this point. Step beyond our experiences, step beyond the, the limits that maybe we've, we have in our theology, our understanding of what God does, to step beyond that and really challenge him to come through. But we can't go there unless we trust him to be with us the whole way. We can't go there until we expand the point to which we're willing to go. The, the distance that we're willing to go in our faith and our trust, knowing that he's going to take care of us. And we trust him to do what's best for us. We trust him not to hang us out to dry. We trust him not to abandon us. We trust him not to humiliate us. And, and we trust him to prosper us. And we trust him not to abandon us if we fail along the way. And maybe that's, maybe that's the hardest one, to fail, to make a mistake. It's, um, 
we're used to that disqualifying us. But for Jesus, that's a part of the process. And I was thinking, you know, let's just use Mitchell again, right? Mitchell's learning to walk when he was a toddler. And you know what? He got up. I don't remember what age he was. He got up. He tried to take a step, and he fell over. And I was so disappointed with him. (laughs) What is wrong with my son? Of course not. Of course not. You fall, that's part of it. It's like half the reason you put a diaper on them is that cushion. He's okay, he survived it. And do you know what? He fell a whole lot more after that first one. He still falls sometimes. And that's okay. That's part of the process. And now he's getting on the bike. He's learning to ride. He's getting better at it. And he's going to fall. If he falls, I don't take the bike away. I pick him up. I dust him off. I pick the bike up, make sure nothing's wrecked on it. And I help him get on it and encourage him to go again. Now, if I can find the patience to do that, and I am very limited as a father, God has so much more for us. Where if he calls us to, to grow, he, call, he challenges us to take a step of faith. If we fall, if we mess it up, it doesn't disqualify us. He picks us up, he dusts us off, and he says, let's try again, we'll do better. We'll learn from this, it's going to be great. We learn to trust the process. We learn to trust that, that as God is taking me through this journey, that he's going to be with me in the falls. He's going to be with me when I feel like I'm taking a step beyond um, what I can handle. He's going to take care of me when I've lost control, when I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's tempting to try to pull out of that, right? It's tempting that when all these things come up, when um, things aren't working smoothly for us, when we are falling, when things are taking a while, it's really tempting to pull up, to try to, like, you know, pull in the ejection seat and just get out of there, to bail on the process. But do you know what? There's no surer way than that than to stop growth in us, to stop what God is doing. Jesus um, talked about that process in this, these verses that I read. and I'm just going to read them again because they're, they're really great. Um, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into her large amount of flour until it worked all the way through. Do we have some uh, gardeners here? I know we do. Uh, you put, plant a, a seed. We don't have mustard seeds. So let's use apple trees. We plant a, an apple seed. Does anybody know how long it takes until it's like fully matured and, and bearing fruit? Years? Five, ten years? Yeah? And um, bakers, how long do you need to uh, let yeast go through the dough before it's ready to bake? 
couple of hours. Yeah. So if we have a gardener who's going to have any success, he needs to know the patient. He needs to know patience, right? It's not time wasted if we wait five, ten years. It's time invested. You give that seed enough time, give enough watering, enough nutrients, it's going to start spreading roots. It's going to grow up, leaves, and finally you're going to have fruit. If you have a gardener who's not that patient, who plants a seed, gives it a few months, and digs it up, you're going to be meeting with a lot of disappointment. That work isn't going to amount to very much. It's like with bread. You have a good baker. Somebody knows what they're doing. They're going to let that that yeast go through the dough. They're going to give it time to rise. And you're going to have this great bread, you know, fluffy, crispy on the outside, lots of taste. It's going to be worth your while. You have somebody who's a little bit more impatient. They're going to throw that yeast in. They're going to throw it in the oven. And it's just not going to be much of anything. It's not going to be taste. There's not going to be any fluff to it. It's not going to be worth eating. We give these things time because time is essential for anything good to happen. We often, in our lives, we find the faith for the first step. We say, Jesus, it's time for me to press into you. It's time for me to take my faith to the next level. It's time for me to take my relationship with you to the next level. It's time for me to try new things, to really push the limits. But what if, what if the fruit's not immediate? What if you don't see results after one devotional session? What if you've been showing up every Sunday for a month? And your life hasn't revolutionized self. What if, what if you're waiting and nothing's happening? It's easy to um, to start. It's hard to finish. It's hard to see it through. It's easy to find reasons to pull up along the way, to pull out, to step off the path. And that's why it's important for us to trust. Jesus said that he's good. Jesus said that he's faithful. But we're never going to experience that unless we give him the time and the opportunity to show it to us. We don't get to experience that if we commit to something and then pull out the second things don't work out for us in the way we think they're going to, the way we think they should, in the time we think they should. We only get to see that faithfulness and experience that faithfulness by, see, um, by giving it time to happen. Um, about 11 years ago, when Julie and I were just starting our relationship, we're, we're you know just on that cusp of 
taking it to the next level and really seeing where this is going to go. And, and I, I mean, it's this long, complicated story, but the short of it is that she was given some really bad um, advice by some members of the U.S. government who should have known better. And she left the, uh, the country with a visa, and, uh, and then she was told that she wouldn't be let in, let back in. Um, and this is after one year of a four-year school degree, and she was going to be sent back to Russia. They told her to go back to Russia and to reapply at the, at the embassy there in Moscow. And uh, she was told that probably it's not going to happen. She's not going to get the visa. And uh, so there we were, in China of all places, thinking that, you know, this relationship that, that we felt that God was really leading us towards, that that it just wasn't going to be able to happen. We weren't going to ever, ever see each other again. That um, this school, this education that Julia thought she was going to get to train her to be a missionary, that, that, that God was like shutting the door on that after first saying yes to it. And we went through a, a lot of discouragement and disappointment. And, you know, our prayers were just like, what are you doing, God? What are you thinking? This doesn't make any sense. You're ruining everything. I mean, it, we were like really upset about this. And 11 years later, we look back at that and we say, you know what, that was the last time Julia was able to see her family in a really long time. I gave her a chance to say goodbye. When she applied for her visa, it turns out there wasn't any trouble. And they not only gave her a visa, they, they gave her for the, all the time she needed for her school, and they gave her a multi-entry one, which means that she can come up and visit my parents. It means we could get married in Thunder Bay. It means that it, it, it made our immigration go way easier. It means that she was able to go on an internship that uh, was part of our school into a different country. What we thought was, was God... Letting go of us was, in hindsight, him having a better plan for us than we did for ourselves. What we thought was him letting us down was actually him showing us that he is so amazingly faithful. And so right now, we, you know, we just come back from this trip and we're trying to do fundraising and it's a hard thing to do. And, and I'm, I'm meeting these friends that I haven't seen in like a decade. And I'm sitting down for coffee and I'm asking them for money. And talk about awkward. And it hasn't been bad. It's actually been really good. But, you know, it's, it's a long process. And, it feels like we're just scattering all these seeds, all these seeds. And, and they're not really sprouting that quickly. It's happening. It's not going that quickly. But you know what? Because God showed His faithfulness to us before, because God showed us that we could trust Him, I'm actually okay with it right now. You know, I have my moments. It's not always great. It's not always easy. But you know, when I sit and I think about it, Say, so, you know what? This is a God who hasn't let me down yet. Man, He's been good to us. Why would this time be any different? And so, instead of 
sitting back and, and, and arguing with God. God, why can't you do better? Why can't you make this easier? Why can't you make this quicker? I can sit back and I can say, God, you obviously have something better than I did. You have better in store for us than I did. I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. Help me not to get in the way. <laughs> Help me not to try to take control. Help me to let you do what you want to do in our lives. And I feel like we've learned that and we are learning that. And then I look back in the Bible. I think of David. I think of Moses. I think of Abraham. I think of Paul. And these are all guys who waited. These are all guys who had a promise over their lives. God said, I'm going to do something special through you. And then nothing happened. Or worse than nothing, something bad happened. But in that, God was teaching them his faithfulness. He was teaching them to trust him. And so David was anointed king, and then he turned into an outlaw. But then God brought him out of the desert. And he said, I haven't forgotten you. It's time. And Peter was anointed, or Paul rather, was anointed as a missionary to the Gentiles. And then he sat around for seven years. God didn't let him go. God was training him. God is faithful. The time that we spend waiting is not wasted. It's invested. The time that we spend waiting for him to move is him preparing us. It's him preparing the opportunity. It's him preparing the time. And I'm saying this because I know that for a lot of us here, there's been a lot of waiting. I know that a lot of us have stories where we've been praying for people in our family. Maybe for healing. Maybe that they would have a chance to meet Jesus. And we've been doing that for a long time. And we're waiting. Or maybe we've been praying that our, our circumstances will change. That things will start working out better for us. We feel like maybe God has, has, has said, you know, I'm going to take care of you, and yet maybe things haven't changed. And so we're waiting. Or maybe it's that, you know, we've, we've been pressing, and we, God, I want more in this relationship with you than I've experienced before. I want to see bigger, I want to see better things happen. I want to see you speak to me or hear you speak to me in more dynamic ways. I want to hear you clearer. And we're waiting for that. But this time of waiting is not in vain. This time of waiting is not wasted. God is using this time right now to prepare you. To prepare us as a church. To prepare the people we're praying for. This isn't God letting you down. This is God at work in a way you didn't expect. 
And so I just want to give you the opportunity now to take what it is maybe that's been weighing on you, that, that area, area that you feel that trust has been difficult, that area where you've had this expectation that hasn't yet been met. And I just want to give, you the, give God the opportunity to speak into that right now. Why don't we just stand up, and I'm just going to say just a word of prayer and a blessing over that. Jesus, we know that you're good. We read about it in the Bible. We sing it in our songs. We've experienced it in our individual lives, in, this li- in, our, in our life as a church. And yet we confess that it's not always easy. We confess that it's, it's not always a smooth journey. That things may not be working out the way that we think they should. But Jesus, we um, we don't want we don't want that to pull us off the path that you have us on. And so we bring it to you, Jesus. We bring our disappointment, our frustration, our discouragement, our dreams, and our expectations, and our prayers, and we bring it all to you, Jesus. And we don't have to ask that you'll be faithful in this because you are faithful in this. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. It is happening today. You are being faithful. But Jesus, I just pray that the conviction of that faithfulness, that, that a depth of hope will just explode in us today. That in everything in our lives, Jesus, that we'd be able to give it over to you, trusting you 100%. And Jesus, for anybody here who is just really deeply struggling, I just pray right now that, that your spirit would be at work. That you would open eyes and hearts to what you're doing that you'd pull back the curtain on what you're up to, on your activity. And Jesus, we don't just want to speak about your faithfulness as something that we, we know in theory. We want to jump for joy because it's what you're doing, because we're seeing it at work. So Jesus, I just pray for a depth of faith, a depth of trust, that we would know your love for us. We would know your care for us. That it would explode in our lives and our life as a church. For the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen.